Father, I'm reminded of this morning of, of what your word says, that uh, the grass withers and the flowers fall, uh, but the word of God stands forever. And we're reminded this morning that your word is, is relevant to us every day. And it always will be relevant uh, because you spoke. And the 66 books that we have uh, are from you. And if you've spoken to us and you expect us to respond. And, and the purpose, Lord, of our the preaching ministry here or at any church uh, is to proclaim your word. And I pray that that would be done uh, clearly and faithfully this morning. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Some jobs only exist because we live in a chaotic world. Uh, Brianna and I live uh, right off of Highway 15 in Spring Park, and one thing that we often hear are sirens go by. Uh, we hear police cars, fire trucks, ambulances, and of course this is because we live in a fallen world. And over the past three or so years, I've had the opportunity of working a job uh, that will only be around as long as this world is around, uh, because we live in a fallen world, and that is security. I've, I've had the opportunity to work security part-time, uh, 19 hours a week to be exact, and when I enrolled into seminary in January of 2012, the two jobs that I was considering doing were uh, UPS and security. And I showed up to UPS one day to see if this would be a job that I'd be interested in, and I, I knew right away that this wasn't a job that I'd be interested in because it was lifting heavy boxes and I would have had no time to do schoolwork. Um, so so the, the option became easy. And so when I started there, what I learned is, is the purpose of security. And what they say is that the reason that companies hire you is to protect their assets. Security is needed because people steal things. And so that's why I, I'm employed. And so I'm grateful for that in the temporary, but I also look forward to the day when jobs like police officers and security won't be needed. And stealing is a major problem in our world. It's a major problem. It's not a minor problem, it's a major problem. And it can be seen that we know this is a major problem because it's one of the Ten Commandments. Uh, there are other sins that aren't listed in the Ten Commandments, but this is one of them. That's a big problem. In Exodus 20:15, in the command that Yahweh gave to Israel, he said, you shall not steal. And this is the Eighth Commandment, and this is what our sermon is on today. And at the core of stealing is dishonesty. And this sermon is calling you to act honestly in every circumstance. To, to act honestly in every circumstance. And there are three ways how you must act honestly in every circumstance. The first is by resisting the temptation to rob others. By resisting the temptation to rob others. To steal is to unlawfully take something that does not belong to you. It's to take someone else's possessions. And the, the Hebrew word for steal 
means literally to carry something away by stealth. So that means to secretly take something away. And from childhood, this is, this is a major problem. Uh, the doctrine of original sin says that from birth, the moment you're conceived, you are born into sin. And, th- and you, you parents who have children, you, you can see the sin in your children. You never, need, you never need to teach a child not to be selfish because that's what they are. They, they are selfish because they have that nature. And stealing is a problem that even kids struggle with. And I know this from personal experience. I remember when I was in kindergarten over at Shirley Hills, and I copied some of my neighbor's assignment. And I don't remember how much it was, but, but the worst part about it is that when, when you're younger, you don't, you're not very good at stealing. You're not very good at cheating in, in school because you don't really know what you're doing. Um, I, my te- the teacher came up to me, and she said, Seth, your name isn't Daniel. I, 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 put, I put his name on top. And so it was, it was a problem. And you can see it's a, it's a problem from youth. And, and it's funny because I, I look back at my life and, you know, as, as last week's sermon was very personal to Guy, this sermon today is very personal to me because dishonesty in school was, was one of my major sins uh, as I've gone through my life. And it started in kindergarten. And it was a problem I struggled with all the way through. Uh, and it comes because we don't respect someone else's property. We don't respect someone else's work. And so we take. And to steal is an attack on the creator. In the same way that murder is, is an attack on the creator, you are taking from one of God's image bearers. That's what you're doing. And... It, and it's an assault on another's dignity. The Lord provides the essentials of life to all people. He provides personal property. And there are consequences to stealing. A little bit further down here in Exodus chapter 22, it describes the situation when, when someone steals. And there's several different situations that it describes. I'm not going to read it. But each time something is taken... There needs to be some type of repayment. And there are consequences when stealing takes place. And as we've seen in early, er, earlier sermons, primarily, primarily the sermon on the Sabbath, God designed work to be good. And he designed that we would have possessions, but these possessions would come through our hard work. You earn food, water, shelter, clothing, and possessions through work. And these essentials that come through work rightly belong to the people who earn them. And one of the causes of stealing is laziness. You know, I don't want to work, but I still need to eat, so I'm going to take. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to work, but I still need clothes, so I'm going to go to the store and I'm going to steal. Lazy people steal to get what they did not work for. Proverbs 6, chap, uh, chapter 6, verses 6 through 11 says, go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer, and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, and want like an armed man. 
So here in this proverb, the ant is commended for her work. And, and so we are called to work hard to earn our possessions. The other possibility is that someone simply wants to take what is yours. And, and this, the eighth commandment is very similar to the tenth commandment. The tenth commandment is coveting. Eighth commandment is stealing. Typically, when people steal, they covet what someone else wants. But there's a little bit of a difference, which is why there are two different commandments. And we live in a world where there's all sorts of issues. It, we know that stealing is a major problem because why do we have locks on our doors? Why do cars have door locks? Why do bank, banks have safes? The internet has passwords. I'm sure some of you have been hacked before or, have, or your car has been broken into. And what happens too, if, if, you, if you leave something unlocked and you come back and everything is okay, it's not that you're thinking, oh, well, I, I knew that I'd be okay. It's usually like, wow, I'm, I'm surprised nobody stole it. <laughs> and we all live with the awareness that something might be taken from us. And one thing the scripture makes clear is that, is that personal property is a good thing. You work hard for it and you receive it. Al Mohler, uh, he's a president of Southern Seminary, he said the Bible dignifies all of it by establishing the right to, to, to personal property, the right to own what is lawfully ours, the right to the work of our hands for the yield of wise investment. So personal possessions are a good thing. And we find identity in our stuff. You know, I, I know that when, if I have like a piece of clothing that's taken from me, it, it feels like some, a part of me was taken away. Uh, or if you have, if your car is stolen from you, and if you had this car for 10 years, it, it's, it's kind of sad because you, you grow a personal attachment, you know, with, with your possession. We find identity. And so when we lose something, it's like we're losing a part of ourselves. And, and, the, and the Jews saw stealing as a very serious offense, and Andy uh, just read one of the prime examples. That's the sin of Achan in Joshua chapter 7. And he was put to death for stealing. And it's also condemned in the New Testament. One of the famous stories is Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. They were put to death for keeping back money that did not belong to them. They were, they were being deceitful. And they were, they were struck dead in the midst of people. So stealing, I don't, no one can argue with this, is a major problem in our world. Martin Luther said, if we look at mankind in all it, of its conditions, it is nothing but a vast, wide stable full of great thieves. Stealing has taken on a different form, too, in the present day. Obviously, when, as culture changes, it, uh, stealing changes as well. And it actually has become easier to steal because in this day and age, you don't even need to know the person to steal from them. You could, you could live across the other side of the planet and you could steal from someone. That's a frightening reality. Today we see tax fraud, insurance fraud, internet fraud, identity theft, plagiarism, cheating on taxes, burning music, accumulating debt that you don't plan to repay. Even employees help themselves to their employer's office supplies. And it seems like a small thing, but it is stealing. And studies have shown that millions of Americans shoplift on a regular basis. I was blown away when I looked at that stat. I, 
It's not in the thousands. It's in the millions. People, they, they do it as a normal practice of their life. They go, they, they, have, they set up a pattern where they go to a store and they take what they want. And they get good at it too. And studies have shown too that, that people waste a lot of time at work. And, and you as an employer can steal from your employers by wasting time. Do you, ever, do you ever go on the internet, send emails, play computer games, surf the internet? What you're doing is you're robbing from your company's time uh, when you do that. And employers steal too. If you're here today and you're an owner or you're a manager, uh, do you have your employees work longer than your contract says? Uh, do you underpay them? I know that that's a, that's a major problem as well. And we, in the last, even the last decade, we've seen large corporations like Enron. What they did is they, they did their accounting off the books and they, they hid their losses in offshore accounts. And, and when they were exposed, what happened is that their, their employees and people who invested them, some people lost their life savings because of that. Uh, the Ponzi schemes, they steal from investors uh, we, see, we saw Bernie Madoff was, was a big one that recently took place. Uh, and both of these practices, they're intended to enrich a company or individual. And it's dishonesty. It's playing a system that is cheating and dishonest. And people are hurt because of it. So accumulating wealth by false practices is a major problem. And this shows the depth of stealing as well. And, and stealing reveals deep spiritual significance. One thing that Jesus says in the Gospels is that from out of the heart comes evil things. And, it, and he gives a long list. And when, when, um, when an unbeliever steals, what, what they're showing, someone who does not know God, what they're showing is that their trust is in, is in him or herself. Because they're not trusting in God to provide for their needs. And so they're saying, you know what, I need to take things in my own hands, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and I'm going to take what is not mine. Now, believers steal too. I hope, I hope it's a, 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 a bigger improvement, and it should be. But when believers steal, what it demonstrates is that you don't trust God. You don't trust God to provide for you in your life. You don't trust God to take care of things. I mentioned earlier that I, I struggled with cheating in school, and what I was doing is I wasn't trusting God. I, I was trying to take things into my own hands. Instead of saying, you know what, if I, get a, if I get a bad grade on this assignment, who cares? You know, if I, if I do my best, the Lord's, the Lord's going to take care of me. I, I didn't think that way until, until uh, the Lord convicted me and I started to turn from that sin in my life and grow. And I got to the point where I was like, you know, I'd, I'd much rather fail an exam than get an A and cheat. I'd much rather fail it. And, that, and I, I'm grateful for God's work in my life um, to reveal that to me. And so... As a Christian, you need to trust God's provision over your life. This is what Jesus said in, in Matthew 6. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? 
And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So God's going to take care of you. If if he's going to take care of the birds by feeding them, it's amazing when you see birds fly around. They, God feeds them. He does. And, he, and, and how much more does he take care of you? And all you have to do is look over your life and say, wow, look, look at how the Lord has provided for me. And 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 and 12 says, work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may w- walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. So you shouldn't be dependent on others. Obviously, if you're a child and you're growing up, you need to be dependent on your parents. But as you get older, you need to be responsible for yourself. And then Ephesians 4:28, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So the first way how you must act honestly in every circumstance is by resisting the temptation to rob others. The second way how is by resisting the temptation to rob God. Resisting the temptation to rob God. So stealing not only takes place horizontally between humans, it also takes place vertically between you and God. Because all possessions belong to him. Exodus 19.5 says that, uh, the Lord says, all the earth is mine. Everything you own, God has given you. Therefore, he owns everything. He owns your body. Therefore, you must be a good steward. When God put Adam to work the garden, he put him there to be a good steward. And Matthew chapter 25, this is at the, this is at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus describes a good steward versus a bad steward. And in fact, in this account, there are two good stewards and there's one bad steward. And this is, this is really a convicting passage. So listen closely here as I read it. Uh, it's Matthew 25, 14 through 30. And this describes a believer and an unbeliever. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them. And he made five talents more. So also, he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. 
And he also, who had two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him to, who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So we see good stewardship versus bad stewardship. And you'll notice the first two examples, the, the man with the five talents and the man with two talents, these were, these were saved people. And they invested their lives wisely. And at the final judgment, it showed and, and Jesus said to them, well done, good and faithful servant. And that's what he will say to anybody who invests their life wisely. On the other hand, we see here an unbeliever who, while God owns everything they have, squandered everything. And if you look at the end here, it says outer darkness. That worthless servant was cast into outer darkness. This can only mean hell. So this person was sent to hell. And in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So how you invest and spend your time is extremely important. And so let me ask you, in what ways do you fail to be a good steward uh, to what God has given you? It is easy to waste gifts and different abilities that he has given you. Uh, you may have a gift that you could serve the church with, but you haven't done it because you're doing something else, but really you should be investing that time here. Or maybe it's somewhere in the community. You should be doing something to advance God's kingdom, but you're not doing it. And so I'm calling you here today, invest your time wisely. And it, it is easy to waste time. Time is something that you can never get back. You know, sometimes you might have a possession that you had 10 years ago, and you're like, you know what, I missed that. And you know what you can do? You can buy it back. But time, you can never get that back. Today is June 28th, 2015. And you're never going to get this day back ever again. And 100 years from now, we're going to look back at these years that we lived and we're going to be like, wow, did that go fast? And you're going to be able to evaluate your life and say, how did I spend my time? It's very easy to waste time. You know, TV, internet, different types of entertainment. I think, I think we live in an age, too, where it's, it's, it's easier to waste time than it ever has been. So spend your time wisely. And money. Where you spend your money says a lot about you. Where does your money go? Does it go to leisure? Does it go toward good things? Does it go toward something that will last forever? Or does it go towards something that is temporary? Obviously, you need to use your money for temporary essentials. But what about that extra money that you have? 
that you can use on anything. Wh- where does that go to? Back when I was in college, uh, I read a book called Don't Waste Your Life by John Piper. And this was a book that really changed my life. And I, if you haven't read it, I'd recommend it to everybody. It's a, such a great concept. Don't waste your life. And we need this book. And Piper read in, in 1999 this from the Reader Digest. And I'm, I'm going to read it to you guys here. He says, I, I will tell you what a tragedy is. I will show you how to waste your life. Consider this story from the February 1998 Reader's Digest. Anybody remember that Reader's Digest? A couple took early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast five years ago when he was 59 and she was 51. Now they live in Punta Gorda, Florida. The Mackeys know where that is. Where they cruise on their 30-foot trawler, play softball, and collect shells. Picture them before Christ on the great day of judgment. Look, Lord, see my shells. That is a tragedy. So don't waste your life. These people were wasting abilities, certainly. They had abilities that they could have been using for God. They're wasting money on shells and, actually, probably not shells, but softball or the boat that they had. Imagine God evaluating each area of your life, just like he did with this account in Matthew 25 with the talents. Imagine God looking at every area of your life and saying, how are, how are you using your time? How are you using your money? How are you using your abilities? God's given each one of you abilities that someone else in this room can, could never even dream of doing. But you can do it because he's given you that ability, and you should do that. I mean, I, Guy's a physician. Most of, I mean, I couldn't even think once or twice about doing what he can do and he has abilities in that area. And, and I know that several other of you have amazing abilities to do things like sing and hospitality. That, that's a gift that not everybody has. You should use these gifts for God's glory. And God will one day tell you how you did. And so use that time wisely and your resources wisely. And two, when, when we talk about personal possessions, it, it's, it's good to have personal possessions, but they're not just for you to hold on to. It's for you to give to. Now here's a quote from Jerry Bridges. He says uh, different attitudes that we take toward possessions. He says, the first says, what, what's yours is mine. I'll take it. This is the attitude of the thief. The second says, what's mine is mine. I'll keep it. Since we are selfish by nature, this is the attitude that most people have most of the time. The third attitude, the godly attitude says, what's mine is God's, I'll share it. Okay, so you you need the essentials of life to use for your own life, but you could also, he's also given you more than you probably need. And so with that, you should share. And 2 Corinthians 9, 6 and 7 says, uh, Paul says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So do you give generously? If you keep your money and possessions all to yourself, what you are doing is you are robbing God because he has designed it for you to be generous 
with your possessions? Do you invest in the kingdom of God? Do you invest wisely? Matthew 6, 19-21 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Forever your, for wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So instead of stealing from God, invest wisely. And I hope that you understand that stealing is not just taking another's possessions, but it's also misusing what God has given you by being a bad steward. And so examine your life today as you look at that. So that's the second way how you must act honestly in every circumstance. The third way how is by admitting that you are a thief in need of rescue. By admitting that you are a thief in need of rescue. That might sound harsh at first, but there's an account in the Bible that I think is there for this, to address this very issue that all people are thieves. But there are two different types of thieves. There's a repentant thief who has turned from that life, and then there's one who's not. And, and we're going to see that here. And some of you probably know where I'm going. I'm going to the thief on the cross. Jesus was crucified between two criminals. And we learn about these two criminals, that what kind of criminals they were. These were thieves. Of all, of all the crimes they could have committed, the crime that they committed was stealing. And Matthew 27, 38 explains what kind of criminals they were, but it doesn't give the details of what happened in, in, the, in, those, in that last hour when the thieves were having the conversation with Jesus. You have to go to the Gospel of Luke to see that. And Luke gives us this account in uh, tw- chapter 23, verses 39 through 43. Here it is. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. One of the most beautiful accounts, I think, in in the entire Bible. We see one thief was repentant and believed in Christ. By the way, talk about having the right person at the right time. (laughs) Right next to him. (laughs) That's a good person to be crucified next to. Jesus Death paid for this repentant robber, but not the other. We, we see two men here. We see one man that went to heaven that very day, and the other man went to hell to pay for his sins. And every one of us has acted dishonestly, and you are either the one who admits his sin and turns from it and trusts in Christ, or you're the one who continues on stealing and is unrepentant and rejects the offer of receiving Christ. So examine yourself. Where do you stand? Of course, none of us measure up. I told you my story. I know that I'm a thief. And by God's grace, I'm the one who has repented and said, Lord, will you remember remember me in your kingdom? And turn from my sin. And I know many of you here today have done the same thing. Examine yourself. 
But for those of you who maybe haven't trusted in Christ, I, I pray and I ask and I call you at this time uh, to receive him. Receive the offer to trust in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Of course, this is our eighth, actually ninth sermon on the Ten Commandments. Uh, this, of the Eighth Commandment. We had one intro sermon. And like every sermon in this Ten Commandments series, the focus is on calling each of you to produce spirit-generated works. Uh, there are works that you are able to carry out because you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. He gives you the grace and the power to do that. So this sermon is not calling you just to be good and to not steal. It's calling you to trust in Christ. And, and because of the power of his resurrection and the power of the gospel in transforming you, that you are able to carry this out. That's what this sermon is calling you to do. And the purpose of every sermon, by the way, is sanctification. So I, I'm, I'm calling you to do something today. I'm calling you to act honestly in every circumstance. And in that way, you will be sanctified. Because you might ask, what, what's the purpose of us coming week after week and hearing sermons? And, and the purpose is sanctification. You're justified, and you're sanctified. And sanctified is the process of growing in holiness. It, it's preparing you for eternity. It's preparing you to be with God, and you're becoming more like Jesus Christ in the process. And so this sermon is calling you to act honestly in every circumstance by resisting the temptation to rob others, by resisting the temptation to rob God, and by admitting that you are a thief in need of rescue. Trust the Lord with what he has given you and be generous with it, knowing that everything you have belongs to him. Let's pray. Father, uh, thank you for what your word has to say on these issues. And, and Lord, apart from you, we don't have the power uh, to carry this out. I thank you for sending your son who lived and died and rose again. And Lord, we, we, believe, we believe in his power to transform our lives, and we see it. We've seen it in our own lives, and we see it in others' lives. And I pray in this area, Lord, that growth would take place uh, in us. And that we'd be ex so grateful for salvation that we, we can say with that thief, you know, he did nothing wrong. And, and, and Lord, Thank you for remembering me in your kingdom. And one day we will go to be with him in his kingdom and, and be with him in paradise. Thank you for that hope that we have as, as people who have been thieves but have turned and trusted in the only Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.